Another story of darkness, of shadows, all right. Another story of mystery and horror. Come here, my dear. By my side. The cat. Instrument of evil. Pawn of the devil. Another story in the weekly series heard each night at this time. The forces of evil are everywhere. For in a man's heart and mind there dwells an endless conflict. Whether for good or evil. Whether for right or wrong. And how shall he know which is which until he must make the fateful decision? And now... The cat. Jabez sits before the fire in his library. The library filled with volumes written by his hand. Zora sits beside him as he pens this day's events. Another chapter in the latest edition to his chronicles of mystery and evil. Zora, a few more words. There, I'm finished. How else would I fill our shelves, Zora, if I did not write today's events in our books? <laughs> yes, I know. I promised you something, Zora. I will keep my word soon. But first, the night is cool. And Carol... Lovely Carol lies in bed and thinks of me. Lovely Carol lying in bed thinking of me. Jabez. Jabez. Are you thinking of me tonight? Are you remembering? I never knew there was such a thing in all the world. Strange, irresistible force that draws me to you, Jabez. The knowledge so deep in you. Mystery in your eyes. I want to understand you, Jabez. I want to understand this hidden secret cord that brings us closer and closer to each other. You know, when I'm near you, my hands tremble and my heart leaps. And I feel that strangeness, that... Oh, I sound like an overwhelmed child. It hit me so suddenly. Even Father doesn't understand. Father was angry about it this afternoon. What do you know about him? I know all I want to know. I know that he has some deep and strange attraction for me. But who is he? What is he? Where does he come from? What does he do? I don't know, Father, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter? How can you feel this way about a man who's practically a stranger? He's gentle with me and wise. How old is he? He looks like... like he might be any age. When you look at him closely... Jesus has had a hard life. He's seen a lot of the world, that's all. Carol, child. There's something about him... Something... Father, you met Jabez just once. Perhaps... Perhaps it's just my imagination, but... But I... 
I'm afraid for you. Something wonderful. Something strong and deep and powerful in it. I don't know what it is. But I want to know more about this man. I want to know more about him. And yet... Yes, Father? I'm afraid to know. Oh, Father, what nonsense. No, no, Carol. You don't understand him the way I do, Father, that's all. Carol, what about Phil? What will Phil... had to think about Phil. I was impatient with the thought. Phil should understand. Phil should remember that although we've grown up together and thought about marriage and everything seemed settled, it was more a habit of being together than being in love. It isn't that I'm in love with Jacob. It's more that I no longer feel the same way about Phil. But the way Phil took it I knew you'd understand, Phil. This is something I have no control over. It, it, it just happened to me. Swept me off my feet. Don't you think he's a little old for you? I'm not thinking of marriage, Phil. I'm just terribly attracted to Jacob. Besides, how old do you think he is? I don't know. That's got me puzzled. He could be 60 and he could be 40. There's a look... That's not very kind of you, Phil. I'm only interested in your welfare, Carol. Of course you are, Phil. But there are depths to Jabez that you don't understand. He's so alive, so clever, so... No, clever isn't the word. He's deep, as though he knows everything. I'd like to meet someone who knows everything. Phil would have protested, would have told me how much he was in love with me and wouldn't let me go. But he didn't. There wasn't any unpleasantness. I got the feeling that there was something hidden in his acceptance of Jabez. So he knew more about Jabez than I did. But that was silly. How could anybody understand the strong, deep attraction he has for me? Nancy's reaction to Jabez was just the opposite. You can't trust a man's judgment about another man. Nancy is only our maid, but she's a woman. She put a finger on it right away. I tell you, Miss Carroll, it's just that men don't trust other men who've got personality. Yes, yes, Nancy, that's it. Well, don't you worry, Miss Carroll. Your father will like him. Oh, I hope so. Nancy, I'm worried about you. You haven't been looking well. Well, it's... It's just those dreams. Are you still having them? Oh, Miss Carroll, they've been getting worse. Last night I couldn't sleep at all. I kept seeing the eyes shining in the dark. Steady, staring at me, never blinking. Shining, big and shining. As if they were asking me a question. Oh, poor Nancy, you're tired. No, Miss Carroll, if only I could stop seeing them, looking and asking. Asking you what, Nancy? Well, that's what I don't know. She sits all by herself in, in the middle of the dream, sitting on air. Her black tail curled around her, and her eyes steady, staring at me, into me. And that's all, Nancy? No. That's the way it was two nights before last. The eyes is always the same. But she changes her position. 
Night before last, she was walking in space. Her tail flicking and her head turned to me without ever looking away. How long did the dream last, Nancy? Forever, it seems like. I try to shut my eyes to it, but I can't. Pretty soon, I, I begin to get frightened. I try to wake myself up, but, but it's hard. Something keeps pulling me back into the dream. Big cat, you say? It's a giant cat, Miss Carol. Oh, now, Nancy, I think we ought to see Dr. Lacey about it. Perhaps it's something he can explain very simply, and you won't have those dreams anymore. Well, it, it ain't only dreams now, Miss Carroll. What do you mean? I... I saw Nancy. Miss Carroll, I swear. I ain't one for fancies. I, I couldn't fall asleep last night. I was so worried. I lay in bed and tried to put it all out of my mind, but I couldn't. And my heart was going something awful. And then... Then I was looking out the window... Something drew me to look there. And I... Oh, Nancy, I think your imagination is running away with you. Oh, no, Miss Carol, no. She was there. The cat. She was sitting on the ledge. And her eyes looked straight at me, just like in the dream. Oh, Miss Carol, I'm so afraid. <laughs> I'm so afraid. Well, if it'll make you feel better. I'll stay with you in your room tonight, Nancy. Oh, would you, Miss Carol? Would you? Of course, Nancy. We'll soon put an end to those dreams of yours. Just before dinner, Nancy disappeared. When Jabez left, I thought Nancy would have started dinner. And I went into the kitchen. Nancy wasn't there. She wasn't in her room either. Couldn't find her anywhere. She just disappeared. We didn't get very upset about it because it had happened twice before. And Nancy had turned up the next day. Still, I was a little puzzled. Anyway, here I am in my own room. And I can't sleep. But it's because of something different than what troubled Nancy. This is something exciting. This feeling of great knowledge and wisdom. Of dark secrets and fulfillment. Strange how he draws me to him. Javis. Javis. Where are you now? You are listening to another chapter in our new mystery horror series, The Cat. And now, back to our story. I promised. Nancy is waiting. I told you she'd be here, didn't I? Patience, Zola. Oh, you're a gentleman, Mr. Davis. 
You promised to help me. That's why I came here. You won't let it hurt me, will you? You'll protect me. Nancy. Oh, please, Mr. Davis, you can't. Nancy, look at me. (laughs) Nancy, why did you kill him? (laughs) Don't you know you have no right to kill? You plunged a knife into his heart. Your husband, whom you had promised to honor and cherish. (laughs) How do you know? How do I know? It's on your face, Nancy. It's in your eyes. Those things always stay in your eyes. Didn't you know that once you stepped into the shadows, there was no turning back? I couldn't help myself. While he was asleep, Nancy, while your husband lay in sleep, you went to the kitchen and found the bread knife and went back to his room. There were shadows in the room. And the moon came through the window. No, Did you think no. you could just forget about it? You're one of us now, Nancy. Forever. Oh, Mr. James, you promised to help me. You said you'd protect me from the cat. You said I you'd... said I would make sure everything turns out right, Nancy. I'm going to keep that promise. When you saw Zora in your dreams, it was the beginning. Oh, no. I don't want any misunderstanding, Nancy. I want you to know why you are here. Oh, I I'll give myself up. I'll tell the police. I'll take my punishment. But don't let that cat come near me. You don't have to go to the police. You're not, Mr. Chambers. I'm not. imagination get the best of me. Oh, David. David. I miss him so. Well, Zora. Oh, you did. You enjoyed tonight's chapter? This is just the beginning, Zora. Wonderful things, Zora, for me and you and Carol. (laughs) Tomorrow night at this time, we will bring you the next chapter in this week's story of The Cat. Included.
Hey, fooled you, huh? I figured I'd do something different this time. So, what you heard was a series that I like to call One and Done, which was entitled The Cat. And that was the audition show, or as we would call it, the pilot episode, which first broadcasted on October 21st, 1946. So, good evening, hey, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Terror Radio Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, then welcome. This is a podcast dedicated, <coughs> excuse me, dedicated in bringing you the best of horror and thriller old-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories. I am your host, Wolfman Jack, better known as Keith, better known as <laughs> the radio show nerd. And tonight's episode is called when the tables are turned or karma is a witch but take out the w and turn it into a b <laughs> so without further ado this is terra radio the two radio series highlighted tonight are the devil and mr o followed by the price of fear. The first radio play is entitled Going Down. And this was, well, literally, the devil and Mr. O was nothing more than another syndicated version of Lights Out that debuted in 1970 and ended in 1973 and was hosted by Arch Obler, who at this time was 100. Okay, I joke. 98 and a half and it was literally rebroadcasting of original stories from the lights out lights out era from 1940 to 1943 the story going down was originally titled sub basement and that first broadcasted on august 24th 1943 the reincarnation of the story going down broadcasted on December 17th, 1971. Following that is the radio play, The Man Who Hated Scenes. And this was first broadcasted on The Price of Fear on September 29th, 1973. So, you know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to Going Down, followed by The Man Who Hated Scenes. Lights out for the devil and Mr. O.
We bring you stories of the supernatural and the supernormal, dramatizing the fantasies and the mysteries of the unknown. We tell you this frankly so that if you wish to avoid the excitement and tension of these imaginative plays, we urge you calmly but sincerely to turn off your radio now. This is Mr. O.R. Jobler. Some of you may not know this, but beneath many of our cities, there's a subworld, not only of subways, but sub-sub-basements and man-made caverns where little trains run and deliver the goods to the department stores and the factories of our industrial complex. Today, we're going to some of those sub-sub-basements in a play I've written for you titled Going Down all beginning after this top-of-the-world message. Gramercy Park Close of 64 West 23rd Street in New York says, If you think food prices are high, wait till you go out to buy a suit. The price of wool, the devaluation, the union contract, you can get priced out of the market. But you don't have to give up wearing the good clothes you're used to. Just give up the place you've been buying them at. After 78 years of manufacturing men's clothing to sell wholesale, Gramercy Park will show you a new and better way to buy men's clothing. Magnificent suits, coats, sport coats, and slacks. Come up to Gramercy Park's loft on the third floor of the factory building at 64 West 23rd Street. Ask Rosie with the cigar or Flatbush Phil to give you a style show. There's no obligation, and credit cards are okay. Gramercy Park is open to 7, Saturday to 6, and on Sunday from 10 to 4. Gramercy Park Close, 64 West 23rd Street, New York. And now, if you haven't already done so, turn off your lights now. But of course I can run an elevator. I was just asking. And I told you. Well, here we are. All right. All right, are you getting out? I suppose so. Suppose so. For ten years, that's all I've heard. Where do you work? What do you do? Why don't you let me see you? Don't get angry. Oh, I'm not angry. I'm just telling you. Come on, this way. Big basement. You don't know the half of it. It's like a whole city down here. A person goes to a department store and doesn't know all this is underneath. Say that again. And you're in charge of everything down here? That's another fact. Here. Look at these. What are they? Furnaces? Oil burning. Heat and air conditions, a whole building up above. 20 stories. Well... Where is everybody? Nothing but a watchman at this hour of the night. Everything's shut down. Help! What's the matter with you? Nothing. What did you do that for? Oh, I... I, I just wanted to hear my voice. It, it's like a big cave down here. Yelling <laughs> out like that. Won't you ever grow up? Don't be angry, Arnie. Oh, all right, come on. Yes, Arnie. Come on, in here. 
Another elevator? Well, you want to see everything, don't you? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. Down some more? Yeah. Another basement. Yeah. Go ahead. Plenty of light to see behind. What's down here? Come on over here. I'll I'll show you. There. In the wall. Is it a a tunnel? That's what it is. But but a tunnel down here? See those tracks? Yes. Where do they go? How do you think all the merchandise is brought to all the stores here in the business section? Tunnel system, that's how. Right under the city streets. I had no idea. Mighty few people have. Trains run on those tracks, bring the stuff right in. Trains? Oh, Arnie. You think all I've got to do is make jokes? You think the only kind of a train's a big one? Well, I just don't know. These are little ones. They run on electric batteries, just like they have down in the mines. Come on, I'll show you. Where? In the tunnel. But it's so dark. There are lights every little ways. Come on. Ah. I don't think so. What's the matter with you? I'm afraid. Oh, for John's sake. For years you've pestered me and pestered me to see. You come along, Emma. You understand? All right. Arnie, the, uh, this is fine now. Oh, for John's sake. What's the matter with you now? I, I don't know. Come on, there's a... Uh... One of the little engines parked down at the end of the tunnel. You might as well see it. Well, keep walking. Uh, I think I'd like down to... Down this way, you'll see the train. Yes, but, Arnie, the light... Honey, where are you? Right here. What's the matter? Matter? Oh, why are you standing so close to me? I'm your husband. Oh, Arnie, don't be silly. Emma? I'm going to tell you something. Honey, what's the matter with Listen you? Listen to me for the last time. Last time? Honey, what's the matter with you? Do you know that you can't get out of here? What? You can't get out of here. Honey, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Oh, oh honey. You haven't made a joke like that in years. The last time you tried to scare me was right after we were married, remember? With that fur piece you made off was a dead animal that had gotten in the bedroom. You remember? I remember. Come along further, Emma. As long as I know what you're up to, I don't mind. How far are we going? A long way. All right, Arnie. Anything you say... Don't I know it? All right. All right? What? This is as far as we're going. Oh. I... I feel funny. I've never been under the ground so far in so long. It was very nice of you, Arnie, to take me down here. So interesting. Very nice of you. Arnie... Why don't you say something? Honey, is something the matter? Arnie, really, you can't frighten me. Not now, you know. 
Honey, are we waiting for someone? If we are, I think I hear him. Hear him? Well, yes, don't you? No. But I heard someone. I tell you, there's no one down here. All right. All right, if you say so, Arnie. If I say so, if I say so, if I say so, can't you say something else but that even now? Now? Yes. Irma, I'm going... There, I heard it again. What? Are there trains running this late at night? Trains? If it's a train, you ought to get out of here. Tunnel so now, Arnie, please. Shut up. Let me listen. Hear it? Will you shut up? Who's there? Who's there? Isn't there supposed to be anyone? Of course not. I saw to it. Is that you? Is that you, Tom? Who's Tom? Tom, are you down here? One of the watchmen? I told him I'd pull these boxes tonight. I told him. Tom! Hey, Tom! What's wrong? Tom, what's the matter with you? Come on out here. Do you hear me? Come out right away or I'm firing you. Tom! Is, is he playing jokes, too? That fool, I'll break his neck. Get my hands on that. No, Arnie, don't leave me. Arnie, where did you go? Arnie, it's so dark, the tunnel. Arnie, where are you? Arnold, was that you? Arnold, it is you. Did you cry out? What? Stay back. You? That man? Who? From what's left of his face, I... I think it's Tom. What? What happened? The train ran over him? Arnold, answer me, was it? Train? No. Something's torn out his throat. <gasps> Come on. Got to get out of here. Oh, yes. Something down here. Arnie. Arnie, wait. I can't police. go so fast. Police. I'll get the police. Please, Arnie, wait for me. Arnie, what's the matter? Arnie. Why are you just standing there? Why don't you open the door? Door wasn't closed before. Well, open it. It, it won't open. It won't open. devil and Mr. O's story of going down for a word. See? See the leaf? Right here in my hand. Oh, yes. Isn't that a new leaf? Yes, it is a new leaf. Here. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. <laughs> Get it? Leaf? New? What does that mean, to turn over a new leaf? Well, I'm serious. Mm-hmm. means that you're going to have a little change. From what to what? From bad to good. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, suppose somebody was crying. They could switch from tears to a smile. Suppose they were lonely. They could go from loneliness to having somebody to play with. Well, suppose somebody wasn't loved. Could they turn over a new leaf? They could go from not loving somebody to loving somebody. How did they do that? All they have to do is try to love somebody. Just try? Yeah. You see, to love people when you try. Love makes all things new again. Hey, what was that? Another sound of love from the Franciscans. Let's go back to the devil and Mr. O's story of going down. Look, 
All right. All right. We'll be there in a minute. But are you sure? I tell you, it's an emergency exit. It's always kept open. Why was that stupid? Stop asking me that. I don't know. And that watchman? Stop talking, will you? I don't know anything. I. I... Arnie, why did you stop talking? And why stop? You said the emergency exit. That's it. What? Behind those timbers. (gasps) It's blocked off. You understand? It's blocked off. What do we do? We can't just stand here. Arnold, that man was killed. There's someone down here, I'm afraid. Oh, Arnold, get me out of here. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've got to think. Think? Now, whoever killed Tom, not down here necessarily. You don't think so, Arnold? Well, why should he be? Uh, Nothing to steal down here. Tom was always borrowing money from people. Somebody he didn't pay back. Yeah, that's it. But the doors oh. were... Well, he got out and closed the doors. What of it? We can get out. Come on. Where? I told you, these tunnels lead to the buildings all over the business section. Follow the tunnel to the next sub-basement, to the next building. We'll get out, that's all. Honey, don't get too far ahead of me this oh, time. Well, just walk fast, will you? Yes. Oh, honey... I look forward so very much to tonight. It had been so long since you'd even thought about me. I knew that. And tonight, when you called me up and told me to meet you here, and then when you started to play those crazy, scary jokes before, even then I... Then I... Irma, you see it too? Oh, 
Emma, do you hear me? What was it? Well, you went to school. You studied things like that. That thing. What was it? Emma, didn't you hear me? Yes. I heard you. What was it? What was it? Was, was it a lizard? Yeah, some kind of a lizard. That's it. A lizard. Some kind of a lizard. Oh, 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 why do you, why do you say it that way? I saw it good, Arnie. Well, in school, one of the books there was an animal like that. How did it get down here? A lizard that big? Oh no, you, you don't understand. Geology book. The thing wasn't a lizard, exactly. Huh? It was a... dinosaur. Are you crazy? No. I'm telling you what I saw. It sort of sat up on its hind feet. Just like the picture in the book. What are you trying to do? Make me crazy, too? Why, those things died millions of years ago. Arnie, look. Huh? Way down the tunnel. By the light. <gasps> it is a dinosaur. Don't move. Arnie, it is a dinosaur. Has it gone away? I don't know. It's been so long. Don't move. It just looked at us. Yeah. Why doesn't it come after us? Why? Huh? Maybe... Maybe it didn't see us. What? Well, it was... It was like something that, that had been in the dark for a long, long time. Yes. Oh. Don't move around. Oh, this... There's a little room back here. Oh, would you rather go out there? Oh, don't be angry with me, Ernie. Angry? Why should I be angry? Emma. Emma, you went to school. You studied those things. You you, you called it a, a, a... Dinosaur. Yeah. All these hours, I, I've been thinking... How could a thing like that, which was supposed to have passed out of the world so many years ago... How could it be alive now? I don't know. Emma, listen, I know. This tunnel under the business district, they, they were putting on an extension, blasting in the rock. Maybe that thing came out from inside the earth. Maybe. You're, you're not frightened, are you? No. Why not? Because I'm with you. If it came back, what could I do for you? It's just being with you. Yeah. I keep thinking. And what? That poor watchman. Yeah, it'll really be something when it's morning and everyone finds out about it. What do you think they'll do? They'll hunt it down. The police will get it soon enough. Arnold. Yeah? Arnold. What if it won't be here then? Huh? 
It's been hours since we last saw it standing down there. What if it's gone back where it came from? It's all right with me. But what if they're not... They'll hunt it down. They'll find it. Arnold, what's that? All right. Everything's all right. But what was... Six o'clock. That was the bell back in the basement. The day engineer turned off one of the sprinkler alarms. Oh. Oh, honey. Come on. Come on, I'll help you. Wait. But you said Wait. there was... Look. Over there. Back. It's back. Help. 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 She's looking right at us. Well, they didn't hear us, but it did. It's... It's starting this way. My leg. Ernie. That's it. What? It's blind. That thing is blind. It's lived under the earth so long it can't see. But it's still coming this way. Oh, honey, come on. I can't. Hold on to me, Let will you? Let me alone. Go ahead. No, try. I'll carry you. You can't carry I me. I will. Go ahead, Emma. Go ahead. I tell I you. Won't go, go on. Don't stay here. I tell you. Go oh, on. Honey, please listen to Why me. You stay here with me. I wanted to kill you tonight, you hear me? I brought you down here to kill you. Oh, Arnie, no, you're only I'll saying you, that. I'm telling you the truth. I brought you down here to kill you. No, Arnie, I'll stay with you. you. Listen I to me. I brought you down here to kill you. Now, that's the truth. Look at me and believe it, because it's the truth. That's why you... That's why I suddenly got so wonderful. I was sick and tired of you. I was sick and tired of living. So I brought you down here to kill you and then kill myself. Arnie. Look at it out there. It's feeling its way along. Well, he'll take care of me, but you, you've got to get out of here, Irma. No. You've got to get out. I deserve to die, but Irma, not you. You're so blasted good. I guess that's why I got tired of you, but that's no reason for you to die. Irma, stop looking at me like that. You've got to get out. Run straight down the tunnel. Keep running and you'll get away. Irma, just don't look at me. Get going. No, Arnold. Why don't you say what you've always said to me all these years? Just as you say, Arnie. Just as you say. Oh, Irma. Irma, will you get out of here? How slowly it moves. Irma. It is blind. Bless you. Look, will you listen to me? Will you go? You've got to go. They'll think I've killed you. No, they won't. They won't. Yes, they will. I left a note back home for the police. I told them I had killed you. If that thing kills you and me, they'll still think I was the one who did it. Now, do you want me to be a murderer? Do you want that? You left a note? Yes, yes. Don't you remember I turned back after you went out the door on the dining room table? Um, get out of here and get that note. Don't make them think I killed you and I... I didn't. And I don't want to. You're such a good... You're, you're too good for me and... I was tired, and I, I was crazy. Don't make me a murderer, Irma. Arnie. Goodbye. Goodbye. 
Yes, Emma. Yes, hurry. Run fast. Straight ahead. He won't get you, I promise. Go. All right. You blind thing, you. Here I am. Yeah. Here I am. Here. I'm not scared. Come and get me. This is Mr. O. Arch Obler. Let me tell you about a couple of letters I received from you listeners. One of them asked me the question, uh, Mr. O, do you believe in the sensitives who say they can feel the presence of ghosts in a house? I have a quick answer for that one. Unless that so-called sensitive can materialize the ghost for me in broad daylight? Now, that's the question. Why must the ghost always appear in the dark? As I say, unless the ghost can actually be materialized, I must remain among the skeptics. Extrasensory perception, yes. Ghosts, show me. The second letter asked me about my new book, House on Fire, and do I truly believe in the existence of devils on earth? Well, it all depends on your definition of the word devil. But I ask you, how else can one explain some of our today's madness? Uh, speaking of devils and deviltry, let's talk about next week's play. The title is one fond to the CPAs and the bookkeepers of the world, Balance Sheet. And let's talk about that after a word from your station. On a sun-parched desert... In a humid, tangled jungle. Beneath the stars of a tropical seaport. These are the places that Hopis are found. Hopis, the people of Project Hope, sail to distant ports on a white hospital ship. Or take up residence in our own southwest with this common goal. To help others become medically self-sufficient. Project Hope's mission is not treat and run. It's treat and teach. Hopis teach medical skills to professional counterparts who are eager to learn new methods. And they teach willing workers with limited education the skills that help them contribute to the well-being of their own communities. Help Hope live on. Contribute to Project Hope. Room A, Washington, D.C. This is Mr. Oigain. I'm with you. I think that happiness is the most important thing in life. There are other people, of course, who live and die by other values, the balance sheet, profit and loss. That's what a very strange play I've written for you takes up next week. Its title, Balance Sheet.
started playing music in 26 was a settlement house. I was very young and very small, and they gave me an E-flat clarinet. America's King of Swing, Benny Goodman, for music in our schools. But I do think to have a knowledge of music does something very important for them, even if they don't use it as a profession. Gives them a greater outlook on associated arts, whether it's painting, whether it's sculpture, nature, anything. And to have the pleasure of listening to music all through your life, one of the nicest things that can happen to somebody. But they take advantage of it. Help all our children to take advantage of music. Support music in your schools. A message from the Music Educators National Conference. And Carol Burnett are Pete and Tilly. How about coming up to my place for a spot of heavy breathing? Honeymoon's over. It's time to get married. Walter Matthau and Carol Burnett, so tender and touching. In a very hilarious way. You're the kind who could go without a bra altogether, let alone folding your arms on top like an Indian. I have a feeling like, like I'm being stripped for surgery. Walter Matthau and Carol Burnett are Pete and Tilly. Rated PG. See Pete and Tilly, held over at a specially selected theater near you. This is the grown-up sound of today, where you hear the best sounds in radio. WVNJ, 62 AM, Newark. The Price of Fear. Brought to you by Vincent Price. Train trips fascinate me. How about you? If the answer is yes, then this story, which I have chosen to call The Man Who Hated Scenes, might well appeal to you. Indeed, for some of you listening, even the notion of making a long train journey across the United States will conjure up a world of limitless possibilities. The world seems yours for the asking. Right from that first whistle blow, right from the first shudder as the giant locomotive grips the tracks and pulls its human cargo away from the commonplace and the familiar towards the romantic and the unknown. Others of you, of course, might prefer to regard such a journey as simply a, a respite, a period of temporary seclusion, a chance to simply sit and think. My own inclinations vary, and I suspect come somewhere in between. In any event, be it in the diner of a train speeding across the States or in the kitchen of my own home, I have always considered conversation at breakfast as something of a chore. And so it was, as I watched the little man coming towards me, my feelings were a mixture of resentment and dismay. His voice proved as tentative and deferential as his general demeanor. You, um... You won't mind if I share your table? The fact that the rest of the diner was still completely empty and the stranger seemed perfectly prepared for me to refuse ultimately made no difference to my polite reply. Will you? 
Oh, no, please do. I'd be glad for the company. Oh, many thanks. Insomnia. Don't you know, I've been a martyr to it all my life. Oh, I'm sorry mm. about that. But still, it's nice to know I'm not going to be the only one coming in for breakfast this early. Oh? Yes, when I came in a few minutes ago, the dining car attendant looked as though he'd just got out of his pajamas <laughs> and could certainly see no reason why I wasn't still in mine. But he... he wasn't angry, was he? Well, let's just say not your usual service with a smile. I see. You must forgive my asking... It's just that I could perfectly well come back later if it were more convenient for them. Well, there's no point in making a scene, is there? I do so hate scenes. He glanced nervously away as the same sleepy waiter approached us from the service area. He gave his order in an apologetic, hardly audible voice. Just coffee and lightly scrambled eggs, please. Are you going all the way to New York? Hmm? Oh, much further, much further. I'm travelling on the QE2. We embark on Thursday. Oh, home to England, then. Oh, no, no, not for a long time yet. Uh, Cherbourg first, then the sun, the Riviera, perhaps, Italy, the Greek islands. I haven't made up my mind. Oh, I do envy you. Then you shouldn't. Now? No, it's just a case of doctor's orders... My nerves, you know. It's any kind of excitement to be avoided at all costs. Yes. Yes, I do understand. I think you really do. For some unknown reason, I'm, I'm sure you do. So, my, my friend, you can imagine the kind of state I got myself into when I discovered my wife was being unfaithful to me, can't you? Your... your wife? Uh, Marilyn. So beautiful, so very, very beautiful. Oh, but perhaps you'd care to judge for yourself. I just happened to have... It. It's only a snapshot, but it doesn't do her justice, really. But, oh, yes, here, here we are. It was taken at the side of the pool, don't you know? Our pool. It's very impressive. <laughs> Marilyn loved that pool. I'd accepted and studied the photograph. The sleepy waiter had returned and was grudgingly serving my companions breakfast. Yes, the girl was certainly beautiful. There was no denying that fact. Even though the photographer had caught her just on the point of emerging from the pool, her charms were not only obvious, but a trifle too obvious. The high diving board framed her head... <laughs> It reminded me somewhat disconcertingly of a gallows. I ordered scrambled eggs, didn't I? What? Yes. Yes, I'm sure you did, but they've brought you fried. So bad for the digestion, don't you know? Oh, well, these things are sent to try us. Oh, nothing of the kind. I'll ring for the service. No, no, please don't. I do so hate scenes, you see. Please... Well, just as you wish. Thank you. I suppose it's fortunate for me. I've never been short of money. It really is a wonderful insulator, old man. It protects me from all kinds of anxieties the average man can't avoid. It's probably why I've never objected when I've been overcharged or anything like mm -hmm. that. Far easier to pay up. 
remain calm. Hmm? Mm. You, uh, you were telling me about your, your wife. Marilyn. Oh, yes. Beautiful. So beautiful. The most beautiful creature I've ever seen, or I'm ever likely to see. I, I thought so right from the very beginning. Where was that? Mm-hmm. It was at a resort in Florida. She was a swimmer before our marriage, almost made the Olympic team. Did she really? Yes, really. Anyway, she was doing some exhibition dives from the high board into the hotel pool. She was wearing a white bathing suit. I remember seeing her poised high above me. She seemed a positive goddess incarnate. Diana turned mermaid instead of huntress. Uh, does that um, sound f fanciful? No. No, not at all. I didn't think it would to you. I, I never thought I was in with much of a chance, though. She was a, a good 20 years younger and always in the company of half a dozen bronzed Apollos. But, well, we just seemed to hit it off right from the start. The difference in age didn't seem to matter. <laughs> uh, a case of mind over matter. I, I suppose you could put it like that. In any event, within a month, Marilyn and I became husband and wife and were off on our honeymoon. We were so very happy. And afterwards you you returned home. Home? It's a it's a big Spanish type of place just outside Santa Barbara. A truly beautiful spot. I don't think I ever wanted to leave that house ever again. It gave me the seclusion and peace my nerves required. I had everything I ever wanted. Mm. And uh, Marilyn? Oh, for a long time she loved the place too. We'd splash about in our pool every day, and often I'd just lie in the sun and watch her diving. And <coughs> sometimes... Yes? Sometimes we'd send the servants away for the day, and uh, if you'll pardon the expression, we'd swim in the nude. <laughs> well, it was genuinely idyllic, my friend, in an age when all the graciousness seems to have gone out of life. Idyllic. So much so that... When it finally came, Marilyn's outburst took me completely by surprise. What's so surprising about it, for God's sake? And you needn't think I'm so dumb as to not realize what you're getting out of this setup either. Getting out of getting, this Getting, yes. This place, miles from anywhere, perched on the edge of nowhere. Well, it exactly suits your ends, doesn't it? I thought you liked the house. A rich, eccentric, middle-aged recluse, comfortably ensconced in his 20-bedroomed ivory tower. I've always felt you shared my preference for the solitary life. But not the godforsaken. I don't understand what you're getting at, Marilyn. Don't you? Really? For a gentleman of your intelligence and breeding, I should have thought it altogether too obvious. However, I'll tell you. It's quite simple. Marilyn, do you think you ought to drink so much? You didn't have the guts to stay on here and go it completely alone. So, for once in his life, one hermit ventured forth. He took a little trip into the big outside world with the deliberate intention of trapping a little spouse to keep him company. I've never thought of our marriage as a trap. Ego being what it is, I'm damn sure you haven't. <sighs> But take it from me, it was just an arrangement right from the start. An arrangement no. to suit your own ends. I've always tried to put your happiness first. Huh. 
Happiness. That's a word from the past. But I've given you everything you've ever asked for. Everything. I'll grant you the bait was acceptable enough at first. Bait? Of the very finest quality. There's no denying. But bait, Harry. You made the whole arrangement seem irresistible, didn't you? But I... The world was to be our oyster, remember? New places, new faces, forever and ever, world without end. Amen. Oh, you really had me believing it, too. Right up to the end of the honeymoon, you actually had me believing it. And afterwards? Well, the honeymoon was over, wasn't it? So was the new faces, new places routine. And in its place, this. A cage, damn you. Oh, well up to the standard you taught me to expect. I'm not denying, but a cage for all that. Marilyn, I love you. Right from that first moment... You knew that you wanted me, so you wooed me and you won me. You moved me into your millionaire's Alcatraz and then you throw away the keys. I still love you. Oh, maybe you do. Enough to go back? Back where? To where the arrangement started going wrong. To our original arrangement, Harry. New places, new faces, forever and ever, world without end. It is not an arrangement. It never has been. It still is. And shall I tell you something else? It's never going to be anything more, Harry. <laughs> poor Harry. Poor, poor Harry. <laughs> Have some more coffee. Oh, thank you. So, uh, she got her own way, then? New places, new faces. If it had been in my power, she would have... She would have got her way. If it had been in my power, I'd have given her anything. Knowing what a person is doesn't necessarily mean you stop loving them, does it? No, I suppose not. So, um, you left the house? Hmm? Oh, no. No, it never came to that. Oh, it was, it, it was what Marilyn had insisted upon and what I'd agreed to. A really long trip abroad. A chance for us to find each other again. Extraordinary how absolute naivety has a charm of its own. But as things turned out, it simply wasn't to be. Oh, well, on the eve of our departure, I was taken ill. Desperately ill. As a... as a result of the quarrel. Well, my doctor called it acute emotional stress. You, you see, I've never been able to stand scenes of any kind, and in this case, well, my only defence was a period of total mental withdrawal. A self-inflicted coma, if you like. It went on for a long time, over a month... And then? It refused to go on any longer. Did... Well, did Marilyn stand by you? Marilyn? Ah, yes. Marilyn. Marilyn? 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 Marilyn! It's all right. I'm here. I'm here. Oh, dear God. 
<laughs> Easy now. You've been ill, Harry. Very ill. <coughs> yes. Yes, I, I have been ill, haven't I? I'm so sorry, Madeline. Shush, shush. The only important thing now is that you get well again. The doctor's been very worried for you. And you? Did you worry for me too, Marilyn? Oh, yes. I worried. Oh, thank you. Thank you for worrying. Oh, shh. No. No, you were quite right. I, I've been selfish and thoughtless, thinking only of myself. But I'll... I'll make it up to you. You'll see. I'll, I'll make it all up to you. Of course you will. By simply getting well again. Yes, that's it. Well again. Mm. Yes, and then we'll make that long trip together, eh? Just the two of us. Just, just as we've planned to do before. No. Pardon? There's not going to be any trip, Harry. Not just yet. Not for a long, long time. But, but I thought that was what you, you, you wanted. It was. Well? And then you became sick. And I realized I wanted something else much more. I, I wanted you to get well again. So that we could always be together. Together here, Harry. I wanted this place for just the two of us. I wanted to look after you and care for you here in our own home, Harry. And I decided that the most important thing in the world for me was to make it into a real home. Not some kind of show place. What? Not some kind of domestic hotel either, where everything gets done for you at the press of a button. I'm, I'm not sure I understand. But... It's perfectly simple. I got rid of the servants, Harry. Servants? You... We never really needed them. Don't you see? It was they that came between us, Harry. Our only real happiness came when we were allowed to be alone together. But how are we going to manage it without us? Easily, easily. I've already arranged it all and it's working wonderfully. A woman comes up from town every morning to take care of the heavy work. I can get anything we need by making a phone call and having it delivered. Well, what more do we need? What more can we ask, huh? Nothing, my love. Nothing. Just the two of us. Just the two of you. And tell me, did it work out like that? No. No, not quite like that. Well, how? As the weeks went by and I got steadily stronger, Marilyn thought the occasional change of scene might speed my recovery. Nothing too... Far afield, mind you, nothing too taxing, just a little jaunt along the coast, the odd picnic in the hills. Well, my nerves being what they are, I've never felt confident enough to drive myself, and Marilyn didn't really feel up to it. We had got rid of my old chauffeur, along with the rest of the staff, and so... So you engaged another one? Marilyn engaged one. His name was Charles. I had no objection to her choice. My own newfound happiness was such that I was scarcely aware of him. What was he like? Charles? Mm. Oh, he was in his mid-twenties, I suppose. I dare say handsome, in an obvious sort of way. But, as I say, I was, I was hardly aware. Not until that night. The night when... Oh, oh my God. Dear God. Dear God, that night, 
is still with me. I, I woke up with a start from a, a very deep sleep. Hmm. Marilyn had taken care to give me my usual quota of sleeping pills, but for some reason on this particular night, they hadn't done the trick. Perhaps it was meant. Well, for several minutes I just lay there, perspiring heavily, getting my bearings, aware only of the ticking of the clock. Then I called out for Marilyn. Yes, I didn't want to disturb her, but I, I needed another sedative badly. But when she didn't answer, I, I, I got up and went to her room. She wasn't there. At first, I thought she must have got up for something, too, until I saw her bed hadn't been slept in. It was almost four o'clock in the morning. I was a little alarmed, so I, I, I began to look for her. Marilyn? Marilyn? It wasn't until I reached the downstairs living room, which opens onto the patio, that I heard voices. <laughs> I opened the patio doors. The voices were clearer now. My wife and our chauffeur, together at the pool. I understood at once. It was pitch black, and they'd taken the precaution of not turning on the pool light. But I could hear them laughing and talking in low, intimate voices. I heard them climb the steps to the high board and dive together into the deep water. I stood there, heartsick. The effort to simply hold on to myself was unbearable. My first instinct had been to rush out and confront them, but I, I couldn't bear the thought of such a scene. So instead, I... I waited until they eventually left the pool. They lay together in each other's arms, not ten feet from where I stood. I listened. Why did you ever leave me? Oh, I don't know. I did then. At the time, it seemed the only possible answer. But I know I never stopped loving you, not for a single second... Which, in a funny way, is why I had to leave you in the first place. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Let's just say an instinct, shall we? Instinct? Yeah. And the kind of life we were living together must one day have killed that love. It wasn't so bad. Wasn't it? Diving exhibitions at second-rate summer resorts, the odd gala. Hardly enough to keep body and soul alive. Endless drag from one dreary hotel room to the next. So you sewed out and settled for this instead. Oh. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it to sound like that. I settled for both of us, Chuck. Oh, but you still don't know whether to believe that or not, do you? To believe that I only ever wanted this for us. All along. I don't know what to believe. <laughs> when I'm lying here with you like this... Well, it's just a sharing you with him, I suppose. Seeing you together, 
catching the odd, unexpected glimpse of you both in that damn driving mirror. Oh. See him look at you that way, as though you were really his. Seeing him reach out to touch you. Chuck. Seeing you smile back. Seeing you return the touch. Please but don't. worst of all, knowing that though you're lying here with me now, in a little while you'll be gone. Because there's still some part of you that belongs to him. Not belongs. It never has. It never can. It, it never will. I wish I could be sure of that. He's a sick man, Chuck. Sicker than he even suspects. A year, two years, a little longer, maybe. But it's not so important, is it? We can wait. Because we know that one day there's only going to be us, Chuck. All this and us. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. Hold me. Hold me close. What did you do? Do? Mm. Oh, the conventional thing, I'm afraid. The next day I engaged a firm of detectives. To make inquiries about Charles. Mm. They only told me what I more or less knew already. That he was a swimmer who teamed up with Marilyn to do exhibition diving the summer before I met her. The rest was obvious. When I became ill, she had sent for him to solace her loneliness, shall we say. Then, as I grew better, she stumbled on the idea of employing him as our chauffeur. You can understand my dilemma. Yes, yes, I, I am beginning to. I was just recovering from a serious nervous illness, a breakdown. A scene, a quarrel would undo the weeks of convalescence. Now, of all times, it was impossible for me to have it out with Marilyn, to send Charles packing, to do what any other man would have done instantly. It was a weakness, but I couldn't overcome it. So? I dissembled. I pretended I knew nothing. I waited. I racked my brains for some way of letting Marilyn know that I knew and yet avoiding that inevitable scene. Well, did you eventually find a way? Oh, yes. I saw how it could be done, quietly, without any fuss. Tell me about it. Oh. Well, Marilyn wanted to go to the movies in Santa Barbara. I declined, but said Charles should drive her, as I didn't like her to be out on her own at night. She... She saw me to bed and watched me ostensibly taking my sleeping tablets. I heard the car drive away and imagined handsome Charles, Chuck, sitting confidently beside her at the wheel. After a while, I, I got up. I had plenty of time. Plenty of time for what? To arrange the hint. The hint that would let them... No, when they got back, that I was fully aware of what was happening between them. Oh, go on. It was well after midnight when they got back. Very dark. A hot, sultry night. Just the night for a swim. Marilyn didn't even come up to her room, but went with Charles directly to his. And a few minutes later, I heard them laughing softly as they came out and went towards the pool. It was inky dark. But I knew they were climbing the diving tower. The high board creaked as they stepped out onto it, and creaked again sharply as each one dived off into the pool. Marilyn first, 
Then Charles right behind her. Their little game they enjoyed so much. It was too dark to see a foot in front of you, but of course to swimmers of their skill it made no difference. In fact, I, I rather imagine it added to their fun. And uh, your hint, did it work? I, I mean, did it break up the affair? Oh, yes. It broke up all right. The affair ended that very night. A truly effective hint, when I finally thought of it. You see, my friend, that evening, as soon as they had left the house, I opened each of the four valves and drained all the water out of the swimming pool. Hmm. The man watched me. Waited. I could think of nothing to say. After what seemed an eternity of silence between us, the train entered a tunnel. It was like the fall of a curtain. That was Vincent Price, bringing you the last in this series, The Price of Fear. Also starring in The Man Who Hated Scenes was Peter Cushing with Diana Olson and Steve Preston. The Man Who Hated Scenes was first recounted by Robert Arthur, dramatized by William Ingram and produced by John Dias. That's the show for tonight. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror1970. Or you can find me on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd. Or on Twitter at Radio Show Nerd 1. And if you want to drop me a line, say hello, make a suggestion, a request, a even a critique, please feel free to email me at radioshownerd at gmail.com. I also have a YouTube channel, obviously titled Terror Radio. Please check it out. Subscribe, like, and share the videos. Highly appreciated. Again, this is your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd, signing off. <laughs>